Joshua chapter 14, verse 8. I'm going to show you. I shared this at the men's conference. Caleb here says, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I, tell you, if you're writing in your Bible, underline I, highlight I, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And he did. I wholly followed the Lord my God. But you know what? To say that, you know, I mean, people, I've just been doing this. These people come in and say, I'm totally committed to God. Yeah, well, your life and your actions sure seem to contradict it. It does. I'm totally sold out to God. And, you know, again, words, words are cheap. I said this, I, I, I really, you know, for the little bit of preaching and teaching I do, I just am really quiet and try to live up my Christian life. And um, so, again, the... You know, people can come up to you and tell you, you know, how committed they are, how, you know, how wonderful they are. Now, taking another step, Numbers chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, watch now what Joshua says. Now, Joshua is a peer. He, he would later become the leader, but Joshua is a peer. You know, Lenny, Lenny is a peer. Pastor Lou is a peer. Okay, there, there are peers in the church. They're my, my peers. I have, you know, I talk about Jerry Palmieri. He's a peer, okay? And uh, so here, Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day. Watch, what, now Joshua, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel, so what do your peers say about you? What do they say about your commitment? Now, let's go, let's go a step further. Moses. Now, this is their leader. This is their pastor. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the, Lord, the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, I, I, I want my leaders. I don't have a lot of them right now. They're all dead. <laughs> They're all with the Lord. But you know what was important for me, Sue can tell you this, what Dallas Mucci thought of me, my district superintendent. It was important what my first pastor, Charlie Rizzo, thought of me. It was important what, what Scotty, you remember Scotty Sue and, and Kenny Jones, some missionaries, when they were involved with us, when we, when we started the church. It was important what they thought of me. They were my leaders. That was significant. Let's go another step further. Numbers 14, 24. God. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now that's the big one. <laughs> that's, that's the one that ultimately matters. You know, what, what I say about myself, what my peers say about me, you know, what my leaders say about me. But this is God who, he, he sees me 24-7. He knows my, my deepest thoughts, my, my inner motives, why I do things. And for God to say that, and that should be our, our ultimate focus. 
But Caleb, Caleb and Joshua, again, they were deeply committed to God. I mean, they're, they're, their hearts, I mean, were, were, were deeply committed and fully, fully committed to him and following him. Okay, number three, courage. They, they were different, again, an exceptional man of courage. Because without it, they never would have been able to conquer the promised land that you're going to see in a few minutes to conquer Hebron and uh, defeat the giants, right? Overcome the fortified cities. So uh, here, here they are. Again, they, they are two men of, of really incredible courage. So in verse 30 of Numbers chapter 13, And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able uh, to overcome it. Right? They were saying, we don't have a chance. We're never going to be able to defeat them. And again, Caleb just steps out in courage here. Now, in, in chapter 15, you see something, you see something great. Now it's time for the inheritance to be given. Caleb was given a promise, right, of an inheritance. So it, it says this, Now, to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord, to Joshua, namely Kirjath Arba, okay, which is Hebron. Caleb is given Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. And Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, uh, Shishai, uh, Ahiman, and uh, Talmai, the children of Anak. What were those guys? They're giants. They're the descendants of Nephilim. They're really big people. Again, the Israelites were not grasshoppers. That was an exaggeration. But they're, they're big people. How do you overcome giants in your life? We all face giants in our lives. You know, there's, there is a theory that fallen angels are not demons. This is a, a, a theology. So the, the, the theory is, is that fallen angels are principalities, powers, rulers. They're, they're in a hierarchy. That the actual demons are the basic disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. So God didn't take them and, and, and send them to hell yet. So it's the, the disembodied spirits of, of, of the Nephilim. Those, those are essentially on, on, the, on the plane that we're on, for the most part, are the ones who are afflicting us or tempting us, right? They're the ones who, who are basically oppressing us. Now, that's, again, that's a theory. That's, you'll, you'll find that in some, in some systematic theologies and different, you know. So how many of you have never heard that before? Yeah, I'm looking at some of your faces and you're looking like, wow, I never heard that one before. But that, that is a theory. But again, there, there, there's giants, and we, we battle, right? We, we battle them, whether, again, angels or, you know, again, the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. But you look here, and again, you get a great lesson about spiritual warfare from Caleb and from Joshua. It takes courage, right? It takes courage. And that courage ultimately came from God. It, it ultimately came from God that they knew that the Lord, if the Lord is with us, we can take down these giants. We can defeat these fortified cities. We can break down the walls of Jericho. So their, their strength and their power came first from the Lord. 
Secondly, it came from their God-given abilities. They were, they were skilled warriors. They were skilled in warfare. And you, you may be like, wow, they, these, these giants, right? They're, they're really big. And you'll be saying, they're so big, we can never defeat them. But I think Caleb and Joshua, like David said, they're so big, we can't miss. And it is, it is, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather shoot an elephant than trying to shoot a mouse. Okay? And they have spears, bows and arrows, slingshots. And they, they, they drove out. They drove out the giants. They were big. They were strong. I believe they were probably slow. And the Israelites were, were just great training. Well, by the way, I'll give you something here on warfare. If you study warfare through history, you look at the Spartans, the samurai, uh, the ninja, uh, the, Roman, the Roman armies, most of the, the, the soldiers weighed between 140 and 160 pounds. When you think about this, these soldiers, most of the time, they were carrying 50, 75 pounds of weight on their back and just going 25 miles. I mean, they'd be marching 25 miles in a day. And, you, you know, you, you have, I mean, think about, you know, your, your, your marathoners, triathletes. They're not, they're not the biggest people. But that is what you find. And you know, even if you get into, I think the average weight of, of Navy SEALs is something like 178 pounds. You know, it's, I mean, there's some, like Jocko, Jocko, I don't know if you know Jocko. You know, Jocko's like 240, but most of them are, you know, were smaller. But they, you know, again, they had great faith in God. They had great faith in their skills and their abilities. They had courage. Number four, claims. So they are different and they're exceptional in their claims. I'm going to take you back. Joshua 14.1. These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. So now it's, it's, it's time. Right? We went in. We've conquered the land. It's time to receive your inheritance. And I want you to watch Caleb claim it. God made the promise. Caleb claimed it. Watch this. In verse 6 through 12. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. Now what he's going to do, he is going to refresh Joshua's memory. Joshua's busy. He's now become leaders. He's doing a lot of different things. Sometimes, you know, we forget. And so now he's going to refresh his memory. So you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore in that day saying, surely the land where your foot has wholly followed, I'm sorry, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke the word to Moses while Israel was wandering, uh, wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong, I love this part, 
I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now watch the claim. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in the day. For you heard in the day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So he, he here, again, he refreshes Joshua's memory he displays the heart of a warrior, verse 10 and 11, and then he claims the promise. Do you claim the promises that God has given? You know, you know what's happened to evangelical, even charismatic Pentecostal churches? The name it and claim it people have like, they've, they've taken something, and I see that the idea of teaching people to claim the promises of God has become somewhat of a taboo. In, in, in churches like ours. But we, we are called, we are called, you know, they don't have the corner in the market on claiming what, what God has given us. We, we have that, that same, that same ability, we have that same calling to claim the promises of God. There are things that God wants to pour into your life. Blessings God wants to pour into you. In the Bible, the Bible is filled, filled with promises. Filled with them for us. John 3.16 is a promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now let me just ask you this. Can you receive that salvation without claiming it by faith? No. It's right there. There's, there's the promise of salvation to everyone. For everyone. Not just to a few, it says it's for the whole world. But you need to claim it. And you claim it by faith. But if you don't, if you don't claim it, it ain't coming to you. So God, God makes wonderful, again, you search the scripture. I mean, you can, you know, look, you can, go, you can go to Amazon or CBD books, Christian book distributors, and you can buy a book with all the promises of God in it. I prefer to go through the scriptures, let the Holy Spirit lead me to promises that I will stand on and I will claim for myself. But God's promises, look, this, this, this book, it's been called a lot of different things, the personal revelation of God. It's called God's personal love letter to us. It's also God's promise book. Caleb was promised and he claimed the promise. I believe there, there are promises in the scriptures for success. There's promises in the scriptures for peace. There's promises in the scriptures for joy. There's promises in the scripture for authority, for power, in spiritual warfare. There's loads of promises in the scripture, but you don't claim them. I mean, just like, again, the person who reads John 3.16 and doesn't claim it, they're not saved. You need to claim it. Okay, number five. They were cooperative. Different, exceptional, in cooperation. Right? Jo Joshua was Moses' apprentice. And you never ever see one moment or ounce of jealousy. I mean, you look at, look at Joshua, I'm going to take you back to Numbers 11:28. how zealous he was for Moses when 
they began to prophesy in the camp, right? Moses was the only one who ever prophesied. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. He went, Moses, they're, you know, they're, they're people. There's they're two guys in the camp prophesying. And he's, he, he was, he's jealous for Moses, right? Moses, you shouldn't, you shouldn't allow those guys to prophesy. But Moses says, you know, now God, I wish all, I wish all God's people prophesied. That's what occurred on, you know, Pentecost. But here again, you, you see his, he is totally committed and, and really in a place of tremendous cooperation to Moses. Now watch, watch, go to Joshua 14, 13 through 15. Caleb, right, now who, you know, Joshua and Caleb are peers. Now Joshua becomes, right, the leader but just want to see this. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron uh, to him uh, as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called uh, Kirath Arba. It had been named after Arba, a great hero and descendant of Anak. But Caleb submitted to Joshua. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like, hey, you know what? Well, well, I was also one of those two witnesses went out there and promised the, uh, that it searched out the promised land. Hey, I was the one who spoke up when they were saying we could never take it. Hey, I was right there with you defending, you know, defending God when the people were rising. He didn't do that. He didn't play that game. He just, he just, it's just, it's a beautiful picture. There's no ego, right? There's no pride. And he just submits to Joshua. And it's a beautiful picture, again, of cooperation. I want to tell you, I want to tell you a story. There was a guy here years ago, when we, when we started the church, and um, he wasn't a bad guy. But, you know, when, you, when you're, you know, every once in a while, I'm sure, you experience somebody gossiping or somebody, you know, slandering. I mean, it happens. And it happens in the church. I don't, I, don't, I don't experience a lot of it at this time. The church is, is different. But when we started, it's hard to start a church. It's hard to plan a church. You know what? You've you, you got a handful of people who are serving. There's a whole lot of needs, right, that, that, that at times are not being met. And um, it, it's, it's, it's hard. But this guy, whenever there was a problem, he was in the middle of it. And then he'd come to me, and he'd be like, He'd be like wagging his tongue. Well, you know what? These people said this, and this, and this one said this, and what, what about this, and what, you know, what about this? And it, and it went on for a while until I got sick of it. I didn't want to hear it anymore. You know, you just, you're, you're, just, you're, just throwing, you know, you're just throwing gas on the fire. And I, I just basically said to him, I don't, want to hear it for, I don't want to hear you anymore. I don't want to be bothered with you. And then he comes to me, and he says, oh, God's calling me to the mission field. So he went on a trip with Youth with a Mission. And he comes, he, he comes to the, you know, he comes to me and he says, I'm, I'm looking for support. Are you kidding me? Are you, are you, are you being serious? You think that I'm going to go and I'm going to raise money from you and put you into the mission field with the attitude and disposition that you had? And he was very offended, very angry, still is today. Everyone says, it doesn't come here. But I've run into at times, and I'm telling you, you know, when, when somebody's doing, somebody don't like you and they're angry at you, he's still looking at me in a really, you know, re weird little way. But just, you know, that's just that, totally uncooperative. Totally uncooperative. 
just a, you know, a, 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 a feeder and a, a, a fueler of controversy. And you know what? He never got out into the mission field. Never was able to raise the money. And God just put him, you know, God just put him aside. But that, you know, that is... But again, cooperation. Cooperation of Joshua and Caleb made them exceptional. Okay, number six, conviction. Caleb and Joshua were men of conviction. So watch in, in verse six through nine, when the entire community of Israel in Numbers chapter 14 is rising up, right? They, they want to stone Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. This is an act of, like, this is an act of, of repentance. He realized, they were realizing the judgment of God is about to come on these people. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, now, again, watch the conviction here in their words, because they were putting their life on the line. This is a, they're sticking out their necks to some people who want to, they want to kill them, they want to stone them. So the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That's, that's conviction. Conviction, conviction is, again, a strongly held belief. They were totally convicted that, you know what, if we go in there and, right, the Lord's delighting in us, he's going to give us victory. We're going to defeat the enemies. We're going to drive out the Canaanites. We're going to drive out the Perizzites. We're going to drive out the Amorites. And they're totally convicted about that, even though that conviction put their lives at risk. Last one, number seven. I like this one. I like them all, but I really like this one. You know, there, there, there are principles, and I don't know when I, you know, I talk to people, I talk to people in the church, I talk to people outside the church. I'll ask them, you know, what are your core values? What are your core principles? Because you, you may be following principles, and, and you wonder, like, you know, I see people, I mean, they're, ugh. you know, it's just problems follow them wherever they go. You know, you can, you can smell the poop from a mile away. And, you know, just what are your core values? Because you may, you may be adopting values that are, are, are simply unproductive and don't glorify God. So here, you know, is, is, is a great value, consistency. Some people, by the way, are consistently bad. They're consistently inconsistent. They're consistently poor, right? I'm not talking about monetarily. And then there are people who are consistently good. So what you see here again, Caleb and Joshua were men of consistency. Caleb, for 85 years, was consistent. Joshua was consistent, you know, to the end. He, fi he finished the race. You know, you get Caleb, right? It's five times. I showed you four where it is said that he wholly followed the Lord his God. Five times where, where that's said in the scriptures. Holy Spirit, again, records all of them. 
But that, that is a picture of consistency. So just look, Joshua. Let's let, I want to kind of focus on the finishing of their race. In Joshua chapter 24, 14 through 15, and you guys have this hanging on your walls, you hang it in your living room, you have it in your offices. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods of your fathers, served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods from your fathers, which served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's where he finishes his race. He's 110 years old. And from, from when you first see him, there is a steady just flow of consistency in the way that he lived, right from the beginning right to the end. Right? He, he, is, he is faithful. He is loyal. He is true. Um, he grows to become the leader of Israel. He grows to become the military commander. But he's, he is consistent. Consistency is, rare, is a rare value and principle that you see in people. Most people are very inconsistent. People in the church are very inconsistent. They're, they're hot, they're cold, they're in, they're out. You know, it's just, uh, there's, a, there's a lack of consistency in a lot of people. Joshua chapter 14, verse 9 through 11. So as Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land which your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke the word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am, this day, 85 years old. So he's talking about a 45-year span, but his faithfulness goes back long before that. He, he lived a faithful life. As, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. It's a, 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 a testimony of a lifetime of consistency. By the way, when I cease to be consistent in the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word, and the leading of the church. That's when you need to get me, get rid of me and put me out to pasture. And by the way, that is true, and that should be true of anybody who is believing that they're in leadership in this church. If you are not consistent, you should not be in leadership. And, and you know better than I do, not better than God knows, of your consistency day in and day out, especially when no one is looking. Because that just weakens, that just weakens the very foundations of the church. Here's a, a great verse, 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So that is, that is a word to Timothy the young preacher. And everybody who's, who aspires to be a preacher or is a preacher should take, should take that to heart. But you, you can just remove the word, preach the word. Just live the Christian life in season and out of season. Right? We, we need to be living the Christian life 24-7. And again, living it out with, with a level of passion, with a, a level of consistency. Amen? Okay, keynote. Just one note, and I'm done. Philippians chapter 2, 14 and 15. Do everything without complaining or arguing. 
That's, that's a good word of wisdom there. So that you may be blameless, innocent, without fault. But notice what I put in the red. Children of God who shine like stars in the darkness. That is what you see in Caleb and Joshua. They, they shined like stars in the midst of the darkness. It was the, the darkness of fear, the darkness of doubt, the darkness of rebellion, the darkness of resisting God. And you have these two men of God who just shined. They shined like stars in that darkness, like stars. And that's what God, that's what God has called. He's called us to, everyone. You may be sitting there and saying, well, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. No, he's called you. He has called every one of you. To, to shine like stars in your commitment to the Lord, in your, in your courage to stand for what's right, in your character. And that is his calling upon us. Amen? Think about those things. Think about those things. Do we have uh, music tonight? Okay, so the worship team should come up. I say leave the kids upstairs for a few more minutes and then invite them down. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. And we thank you for the examples that we see in Joshua and Caleb. Lord God, they were great men, great men of God who wholly followed you. And Lord God, we know that you have called us to be wholly committed to you, Lord God, and follow you with all our heart. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would just imprint through the Holy Spirit and through your word, this word upon our hearts. Let us, Lord, take time this week to look at our core values, to look at the things, Lord, we're willing to fight for, willing to stand up for, Lord God, we're willing to die for. And Father God, may we may truly come into alignment with, with due north values, the values that you've given us through your word, through Jesus Christ our Lord. But bless us, Lord God, may we all shine brightly in a time of great darkness. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen. Yeah, take your time. Worship is prayer, prayer is worship. Thank you, Pastor. Choose the cross with every breath, perfect life, perfect death. You chose the cross, the crown of thorns you go for us. You chose the cross.
Repeat that first verse. He chose the cross. He chose the cross with every breath, the perfect life, the perfect death. You chose the cross. The crown of thorns you wore for us comes with eternal life. You chose the cross. And though your soul Though your soul is overwhelming, obedience to death you overcame. Lost in wonder, lost in love, lost in praise forevermore. Because of Jesus. Was 
Love that gives me 
washes me whiter than the snow than the snow my Jesus God's precious let's sing that again it's your blood that cleanses me it's your blood that cleanses me. It's your blood that gives me life. It's your blood that took my the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of the Lamb.
seated for our time of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we've had, Lord God, and we just ask your blessing and your leading in this time of prayer that we have. We thank you for your holy word transforms and renews and empowers us, Lord God. And we just pray, Lord, that these songs that we've sung would resonate in our hearts and minds and give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name.